Welcome to the Not Old Yet podcast, where we explore the subject of aging from a fresh new perspective. Each week, you will learn how to look, feel, and be youthful, no matter your age or stage of life. Tune in each episode to hear words of wisdom, stories of hope, and keeping it real advice from your host, Elizabeth Vanderveer. We got a beautiful story. Hi, everyone. It's Elizabeth, your host of Not Old Yet podcast. And today I'm here with Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Hi. Today we're going to talk about retirement and all of the issues related to aging and when to retire, how to retire. We're not going to get into the nuts and bolts of investments at all. We're just going to talk about the concept of retirement and what does that really mean? I'm in my 50s, Cindy's in her 60s, and I found that a lot of my friends, when they reach 65 or older, they just give up the concept that they're in control of their destiny. Oftentimes, they find out they have to go on Medicare, and they have to give up their private health insurance, they have to start drawing from their 401ks or or Social Security at certain ages. And the cat's out of the bag at that point, basically. And there's really nothing they can do. So at age 53, I'm trying to look at these issues so that when I get in my 60s, I'm not surprised, unpleasantly surprised about what I'm facing. And so we want to talk about this from a variety of different perspectives. But My perspective is anyone that is living today in America that thinks that they can retire at 65, let's just pretend you're younger than 50 or you're in your early 50s, I think you're crazy. You are most likely not going to be able to retire unless you are very wealthy. And when you go on the government subsistence, it's not going to be as good as you thought. We just looked this up and found that one third of all Americans have less than $5,000 in their retirement account. And most of us don't have pensions anymore. It's very rare. I talked to someone yesterday here in LA that still works for a union and has a full pension. Very rare nowadays. Usually it's all the self-directed 401ks and IRAs that you have to do yourself. No one's putting away money for you. And it's estimated that you need 80% of your income that you have for the lifestyle that you want to keep. That's what they're recommending, 80%. So let's just say you make $50,000 a year, you're going to need a revenue of $40,000 a year to keep up your lifestyle. Now, the nuts and bolts of how all that happens with your 401k, your IRA, your pensions, your Social Security from yourself or your spouse, that's not the purpose of this conversation. The purpose of this conversation is really to talk about the accountability issues here related to retirement and the opportunity in retirement age for all of us to contribute to our own future and our own welfare, and to stay actively engaged in the game of life. 
one of the things, Cindy, you and I have talked about is continuing to work continues to keep you active, both physically active and mentally active. But when the current Medicare, Medicaid, all of that was put together, it was at a time when two things were very different. First, companies tended to support the people and with the pensions. And secondly, we didn't live very long. We only lived on average four years beyond retirement. So we weren't a burden to society. Now we are medical marvels. We are kept alive with drugs, surgery, interventions that 20 years ago would have been unimaginable. And they come at a massive price. And at the same time, we're not working. We're sitting around in retirement, draining the system and bitching about the system as if we have an entitlement to not work. So if you are 65 and you are a woman today and you've avoided a lot of the health concerns, you are going to live past 90. We know that. That's statistics from today on the internet. If you are 50 and a woman in America and you've made it to 50 without heart disease or cancer, your average age is 92. So think about that. If you are 65 and you are going to live decades past your retirement age, what are you going to do? So Cindy, help us out here. What You have a neighbor that is a classic example mm-hmm. of what's going on mm-hmm. in America today and how it's just Honestly, it's unacceptable what's happening. So tell us a little bit just generally about her situation. Well, she's uh, in her mid to late 80s. She's had two open heart surgeries. She was a housewife back in her day, not really working at all, raising the children, taking care of the home for the husband. So when her husband retired at the age of 65, That was the retirement that was coming in to support the two of them. He since passed, and now she is living off of what he made starting in the 40s. So the income that he had was very nominal in comparison to what we think would be appropriate standard of living today. But that's what she has to live off of. So she's got her medications. She has her day-to-day things that she needs to get through with the utilities and so forth. And taxes, but the taxes on the condo. her hard are property taxes. So she needs to be socking away enough money to be able to pay that. And there are many months that's extremely lean for her because there is no other income. So then it, she comes down to the choice On some of those times, do I pay for the medication or do I eat? Do I not pay this utility to help get me through those times? Now, you were talking about a very specific situation where the woman didn't work, the husband had a pension, or was it just Social Security? Social Security. Okay, so it can't be that much. No. And she doesn't have any savings of her own or put anything away, no retirement account, because she worked at home, it sounds like. She was a housewife and a mother. 
So she is living off of her now dead husband. Late husband. Late husband's social security. She has nothing coming in on her own. It's all because of her husband. Mm -hmm. And she's got to make that work. Do you know, does she have her condo? Does she have any other assets? No. Wow. So someone like that, getting her, let's just say she was 65. Finding work for her and finding something meaningful for her to do, it's an interesting idea because here she is in her mid-80s and she's healthy. So she's typical of an older woman, yes, but not a younger woman, first and foremost. So I'll just use myself as an example. I'm not married, so I don't have any death benefit coming from a spouse. I have a self-directed 401k that I contribute to that I'll take when I'm older. Obviously, I'll pull it out. But my business, I'm self-employed, but we don't have a pension. We have a profit sharing, but we don't have a pension. Social Security, I think I get those statements every year, and it's a nominal amount that I'm going to be getting when I finally pull that out. So I don't think we can count on Social Security. I just feel like, yes, we pay into it, but it's almost like you got to forget that you pay into it and just put the blinders on and say, I got to take care of myself. I need to work well beyond 65. I'm sitting here at 53 staring ahead going, there isn't any stopping coming up. I can't look in the tunnel and say, okay, in 12 years, I'm going to be done. My family lives well into their 90s and 100s. And there's just no way that I can expect unless something, you know, happens with the businesses. There's no way that I can expect that at 65, I can just stop working and stop contributing to my own future. It just, it's preposterous. We're not dying at 69. How many times do you hear people dying in their 60s nowadays? I mean, it's not as common as it was. Right. And the average man today lives to 80, and the average American woman lives to 84. And in just a few years, they're predicting that that's going to go up by another three to four years. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a massive change. Think about this. From 50 years ago, these medical advances have just made us medical marvels that are completely dependent upon a system that's out of control from a financial point of view. Everybody knows it. The other thing that just blows my mind is the number of procedures performed. You know, almost anyone would prefer to do a procedure than talk or whatnot, or take a drug. They all want to take drugs and have procedures. So just the massive amount of procedures that are being performed is just driving up these costs. Anyway, in the case of your neighbor, so one of the things that I'm passionate about is how can we get our citizens back to work? So my thought is the following. If you're a CPA and you've been you know, a CPA for your career and you just don't want to be a full-time CPA, you don't want to keep up the licensing requirements, the education requirements, whatever, why not be a bookkeeper at any age? My stepmother's 81 and she's sharp as a tack and she could be a bookkeeper for a small business. Mm -hmm. Like me, not, not her, but you know what I mean? There's opportunities. Bookkeepers that make 50 to a hundred dollars an hour are 
in short supply. Lawyers could be a paralegal. You could continue to contribute, stay involved with the firm, just take on a different role, a different job, continue to earn significant money for yourself. I think there's a way to phase out of your career the same way that you phased up into your career. You know, we can have the sunset where you work for a couple of decades and you go from 90% to 80% to 70 or whatever you need. Sometimes in the boardroom, the most valuable people are the ones with the gray hair and they're being kind of edged out or pilots. I think pilots just earned the right to continue to work until age 60. What a crock that is. I mean, since when do people like not have their faculties at 60? I used to be an FAA medical examiner, so I would certify these pilots for flying. And I think at the time I was doing that, they were edged out at 55. I mean, 55 right now is a baby. You know, we just can't do this to people. What are pilots supposed to do? I mean, if you're done working at 60, come on. It's just ridiculous. So my dream is to have a marketplace where we have employer and prospective employee, like an Indeed marketplace, where we can match these people up, where people over 50, 60, 70, 80 can still work. But in the case of your neighbor who didn't have a career, let's just pretend she's 20 years younger. So she's 65. What do you think is an idea of what someone her age could do? And I'll tell you a little story first. I've had personal assistants for almost two decades, had great experiences and not so great experiences, but they've been very helpful to me in managing my life. Recently, about four years ago, when I hired my last personal assistant, I hired someone 20 years older than me. I was 50 and she was 70. And everyone, well, first of all, she didn't look 70, but she told me her age and told me what she could do for me. And she'd already raised two husbands, two children, very uh, wealthy families at times. And so she had all the education of knowing how to run a household, how to get me on all my travels. She had done that for husbands and it was amazing. But Certain people could not believe that I hired someone that much older than me. But to me, it was a no-brainer. First and foremost, she needed to work. Very sad story, but her husband had gambled away all of their money in the pre-stages of a medical illness before it was diagnosed. And so they went from extreme wealth to destitute basically living on a shoestring. And she had to go back to work at age 70. Now, she had pretty much only been a housewife. That was her job. And she had done a lot of things for him as the businesses grew over the years. But I had the best personal assistant. That woman could run circles around someone half her age. She told me that in the interview. And I thought, what a great job as almost a mentor. Now, granted, I had to pay her, but There's something there, I think, for older women or older men, younger student of life. You know, I definitely think there's a way that older individuals can help the younger set. What about childcare? What about a grandma figure? You know, someone that's 70 years old that can help with the baby and then you can go back to work. I don't know. I love the idea of getting someone older that needs money 
back involved in the family in a multi-generational way. So what do you think your neighbor could have done? Could she have been a personal assistant? Or I know you know her now in her 80s, but what do you think are some ideas for someone that's been a housewife their entire life, but they need more money? Well, obviously, the first thing that would come to mind is either childcare or domestic help. So if she were to clean houses, for example, or even running errands for others, that would provide some income and it would also get her out of the house. It would help create more of a social life for her and she wouldn't be stressing as much regarding the medical bills and her day-to-day life right now. The main thing that really resonated with me talking to her about all of this was the fact that the income that she's living off of was based on the income that her husband made starting in the 40s. So that amount couldn't have been that much. Now, maybe it seemed like a lot when she was 65, but inflation has increased exponentially over those decades. And now she's having trouble making ends meet. If she should live another decade, how is that going to be any better? It isn't. And that's the point regarding a retirement taken at 65 right now. If we're living longer and longer, if you're just turning 65 and you decide you're going to go on unemployment, or not unemployment, sorry, Social Security, and you're going to end up living to 90, 95, how is that amount that you might see today going to give you any satisfaction in covering the necessities when you are in your 90s? Mathematically, it doesn't wash. Right. It's so true. It's absolutely inadequate. You know, there has to be another option for people like this. This is why I'm looking at it at 53 going, time out. You know, people... This freight train is definitely going, and we cannot continue to look at retirement as an entitlement. It's not an entitlement. Basically, in my opinion, if you are living, you need to be contributing, especially if you are able-bodied, if you are well, and if you need money. I just can't believe the number of people that need money that aren't contributing to their welfare. They're not out there hustling. They're, you know, figuring out ways to scam the system. Or unfortunately, there's just so many people that have to make the dollar stretch, you know, as far as it can. Meanwhile, everything's going up in price. I think that if you are in your 50s and 60s, you need to be really seriously looking at plan B. The politicians have got to change the retirement age. I know it is probably one of the most controversial, contentious topics, but we have to do it. We just have to bite the bullet and make it 69. There's just no denying that we have to delay these entitlements, we have to delay these benefits that we're awarding people. And then for people like me, small business owners, there's loopholes where I am still forced to take out 
or forced to take Medicare, give up my private health insurance and forced to start taking out retirement savings. It's just backwards. I don't understand how the politicians are doing it, but they've got to make some changes. And then we have to hold ourselves accountable. I mean, you're not looking at yourself about packing it up and becoming a drain on the system. How did you get your attitude in check? Are you talking about me specifically? Yeah, you in particular. <laughs> well, for me, for me, I've always done for work what I'm passionate about. And so it's just ingrained in me where I just don't see any time where I would give it up because it's something that I love to do and I've done it since I was a child. So it's just part of me. And the other aspect to continuing to work is social. And I would see like my grandparents, one particular grandfather, that when he retired, he sat in a barca lounger, for those who remember what that is, mm. with a remote control for the TV. He would sleep half the day, and pretty much that was it. And then I had, uh, shortly after that, a very good friend of mine, as, as I was aging, she was the same age as me. She was all excited about when she turned 50, she and her husband were going to retire. And my question was, what are you going to do for the next 30 years? And she said, well, we're going to play golf every day for the next 30 years. You're going to play golf. Well, well no, we're just going to take it easy and play, play golf and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So how are you going to live 30 years from now on this amount? Because what I remember from my younger years and looking at someone like my grandfather was, and this happened so often, they would stop working and within a couple of years, they were dead. And it was because they weren't doing anything. They went from fast paced work, 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 get home, take care of the family, take care of the yard, blah, 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 to nothing. Nothing social, nothing physical, nothing mental. Right. And we're, we're social creatures. That's, that's not the norm. We can't do that to ourselves. Right. And we've talked about this before that the two dimensional television or computer or whatever screen you're watching is not a substitute for human interaction. It's not going to give you those good feelings. It's not going to give you the endorphins. It's not going to give you any physical activity it's very dangerous to just isolate yourself and watch television or watch, you know, binge watch something. Yeah. Jobs provide an incredible amount of socialization. They also might provide benefits if you need benefits. And there's, you know, so much that people can do in well into their eighties. These women that I was hanging out with ladies in their eighties, Last year, I did focus groups with them monthly. And a couple of interesting things that came up in talking to these women over time, they would say things like, don't call me elderly, don't call me senior. These are women like 80 to 90 years old that I was meeting with every month. And they just are active and vibrant. Now, 
Some of them have pensions and savings and a whole bunch left from husbands, but they tended to be women that didn't work outside the home either. But they're still in this community. It's a retirement community where I went to interview them and hang out with them. And they would plan the get-togethers for their families. They'd do the cooking. They'd volunteer at Meals on Wheels. They walked every morning, this group of about eight of them at 7 a.m. out there, rain or shine, and in which case, a lot of rain in Oregon. And they're just dynamic. It's unbelievable. But I couldn't believe that they didn't want to be called old. They didn't want to be called elderly. Women in their 80s. And then the next thing that happened was one of the months, one of the women brought her daughter, a 65-year-old lady, to the meeting. And we were talking about some beauty products that night and some products that we were tasting and other things. And the lady that was 65 was the only person in her 60s at that meeting. She was lovely. And, you know, we all enjoyed having her there. But the next month, She was uninvited by the 80-somethings because they said, her needs are so different from ours. She just can't relate to us. And so that 65-year-old asked me if I could start a group for her friends. So I had ladies in their 60s and ladies in their 80s as my focus group. And I can tell you, shockingly, they were entirely different human beings. A woman, just as a woman at 20 isn't the same as at 40. A woman at 65 is not the same as at 85. But at 65, I was sitting with these women. And you know, you're in your 60s. And I could have sworn I was with women age 30. We had the best time every time we got together. We'd have wine and food and we'd talk product and we'd talk beauty concerns. And, you know, this was for a project that I was doing. So there was a reason that we were getting together. It wasn't just to, you know, chew the fat. But such a vibrant group of people that there just has to be a retirement solution for people appropriate to their age group. Mm -hmm. These 80-somethings were spry. These 60-somethings were like 35-year-olds. Their bodies, their mentality, they weren't feeling old and, you know, basically uh, out of date. They were incredible. So, My whole purpose in doing this Not Old Yet podcast is to shine a light on who we are and then hold us accountable so that we are forging a new way. Just look at our presidential candidates from two years ago and the ones that we have now. I mean, they're older individuals still contributing, still applying for the biggest job in the freaking world. Okay, 70-somethings or 80-somethings. That alone should tell us that we are so misguided in letting people think they can retire at 65. 65, you guys, is a freaking baby. It is a baby. I am so tired of hearing people in their 60s go, oh, two more years. If you hate your life and you hate your job that much, then you need to make a change. You really do because you can't stop at 65. You have to keep going. So give us some other tips, Cindy. What's on your mind? Well, all right. So 65 hits. And let's say that they are unfortunately pushed out of whatever job 
that they've been doing. So now it's time to reinvent themselves. What do they want to do? Well, what they should be asking themselves is what do they enjoy doing or how do they enjoy doing what they do? Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you can speak another language, Russian, Spanish, doesn't matter. There is such a need for a bilingualist in so many different walks of life. Just get out there. Put Just your- medicine. There's a great need to have uh, interpreters. Exactly. And so, I mean, that's just one area. If you have been a clerk somewhere, but you've always enjoyed art, go work in an art museum. Same thing regarding gardening. If you've enjoyed gardening, get a job working in a floral shop somewhere. Do something that you enjoy, but something that's going to bring you income and something that you can grow with something that's going to feed your spiritual soul, something that's going to get you excited in the morning that you look forward to getting out. Maybe it's someplace that's a half a mile. Walk. Go out and get a bicycle for the first time. Ride the bicycle to work. And I rode an old bike the other day. It was so awesome. Just one of those old style with the big handlebars. It was so yes. great. Yes. And Enjoy these times, but at the same time, allow yourself the opportunity to expand, to bring in extra income, bank a percentage of it for your future. I mean, life happens. We want to be prepared. And also at the same time, this will give you a little extra income to get out and explore some some other place. Maybe you've always wanted to go to Japan, Costa Rica. Bank some money for that. Because on retirement, you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, I think the second or next career idea is just so important. Certainly volunteering for something before applying for a job is a great idea. Say a Meals on Wheels or something. Any kind of volunteer opportunity will get you out and about and starting the process. And Mm -hmm. once you're out in the community, you're going to have a easier time, I think, getting employed. I would highly recommend Indeed. I know Craigslist is still used, but anything that's going to give you a routine, it's going to give you interaction with other people or animals, a lot of volunteer opportunities with animals, but getting a foot in the door somewhere and then applying for a job. I know it's intimidating to apply for a job and certainly with gray hair, you know, but that kind of brings up a point that part of staying in the game is looking the part and staying youthful. I've talked about this on a couple of different podcasts. You look amazing, keeping things current, keeping color in your hair, doing a little Botox or taking off big age spots if you've got them, you know, filler if you need it, old therapy, whatever, you know. I think that you want to look like you care and look like you've spent some effort because it's important that people still see us as fresh. This has a lot to do with what we wear, our makeup. It's 
not a bad idea to get a second opinion on makeup and hair and clothing if you're going to go back out in the workforce. There's things that just make us look old, and it's going to make the eyes roll, like the orthotic shoes. If you wear the orthotic shoes, you're going to be perceived as older. It doesn't mean you have to wear heels or anything crazy like wingtips, but you know, there's just definitely things that older people have affiliated with them that younger people don't. So any other tips and tricks you have, Cindy, for definitely getting out is a good thing. Talking to your friends, mingle with your friends, try to do it on a regular basis because you'd be surprised how many times you get a referral or a job opportunity that comes from a friend. Maybe it's from your, uh, maybe you go to church, maybe it's from someone there, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a group of your lady friends that you hang with, or maybe it's past co-workers. So if you don't ask, you don't get. So Mm -hmm. get yourself out there, mingle, let everyone know, I'm thinking about getting back into the workplace. I really enjoy X, Y, Z. Do you know of anything out there? Maybe not, but you know, I'll keep you in mind and let you know. That's where it starts. Yeah, that's a great idea. And then I would say just expand on your hobbies. So if you love to knit, you know, look everywhere, look at hospitals, look at gift shops, look at knit stores, whatever your love is, see if you can turn that into something. There's also a lot of crafty people. You know, you can start your own business later in life. People over age 50 are two times as likely to start a new business as someone under 50. So you're in good company if you think you want to start your own thing. And they are giving loans more than ever before to women over 50. Mm. And that didn't used to happen first and foremost, was the man. And then they would start giving business loans to women. But that was women of a much younger age. And now they're giving them out droves to women over 50. So if you've got a, if you've got a great business idea, put together a business plan. Do your research. Ask other people that are in that arena. What were the pitfalls? And then go for it. Go out and try to get a loan, put it together, make it a success. Because now you've got the time and the energy to do that. Whereas before there may have been family or other issues. Make it work for yourself. Great idea. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about retirement and all of the issues that are arising Just to summarize, we're all living longer. We used to live on average to age 69 after retiring at 65. And now women live on average to age 84 and men to age 80. So things have changed dramatically in the last several decades. And we need to hold ourselves accountable more than ever before for our financial future, for our emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical health. We need to recognize that in living longer, we are a financial burden 
and that we have a responsibility to help be part of that plan. We got to get over this attachment that we have to Medicare and retiring at 65 because the data is showing us that we're here a lot longer now. We need to be vibrant and active and not just a drain. And this really starts up here in our brain, getting the right mindset. You certainly have it, Cindy. You are just an incredible uh, inspiration to me and prime example of not old yet. And I want to thank you for being here. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you. And please leave us your comments and subscribe. Hit that like button and tell your friends. And we'll answer any comments that you leave below. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.